1: class of the jhana review um and the Satipatthana sutta is really a procedure manual for practice um you're just starting out Satipatthana sutta you want to know how to practice Satipatthana sutta um You're feeling like your practice needs a little refresher, Satvatthana Sutta. You're feeling like things are going really great and you want to deepen your practice, Satvatthana Sutta. So it's really there. It's foundational. It's there for everyone, regardless of where you are in your practice. So, and it is my favorite my favorite it really is my favorite my favorite sutta and this section of it is also my favorite part so yeah um just my little introduction here the four foundations of mindfulness are a practice that develops concentration concentration when used to hold in mind the eightfold path develops equanimity or being mindful of life as life occurs. If one can remain mindful of life as life occurs, they will be at peace. The Four Foundations of Mindfulness teaches us how to observe the breath in the body while being mindful of feelings, thoughts, and our overall consciousness or state of mind with respect to the Dhamma. This is a practice to be developed over time, and practice all the time. However, it is initially practiced during meditation. Concentration is a skill that is honed over time and must be practiced regularly. Concentration begets concentration. A mind focused on the task at hand is more likely to remain focused on the task at hand and is becoming concentrated.
2: I, really wish that we could get that to stop echoing. What you could do, can you not just use this and mute here? Yeah, I could do that. Move that guy over
1: here. Sorry guys, one more time. There we go, sorry everybody, all right. Hi, can everybody hear me? Sound up
0: now?
1: Um, oh, Brian, can you say something? Good morning. Thank you. <laughs>
3: How's everybody doing?
1: Better now. Okay. <laughs> oh, much better.
4: Ah, thanks everybody.
1: Okay, the Buddha's words. On one occasion, the Buddha was in Kamasadama where he addressed those assembled. Friends, there are four frames of reference, four foundations of mindfulness that are required for the purification of all beings, for the overcoming of sorrow and regret, for the disappearance of pain and distress, for establishing the right method of practice and for complete unbinding. What are these for? Number one, being mindful of the breath and the body, determined, and alert, and abandoning, craving, and aversion to what is occurring. Two, being mindful of feelings arising from the sixth sense base, determined, and alert, and abandoning, craving, and aversion to what is occurring. Three, being mindful of thoughts arising from the sixth sense base, determined, and alert, and abandoning, craving, and aversion to what is occurring. Four, being mindful of the present quality of mind, determined and alert, and abandoning craving and aversion to what is occurring. So that is, those four are the cliff notes for this entire section that I'm teaching today. But now we're going to get into like more detail of those, those four things. And how does one remain mindful of the breath and the body in and of itself? Finding a secluded spot, the shade of a tree or empty hut, sitting erect with legs crossed in front, placing attention on the breath. Remaining mindful of the breath, breathe in and breathe out. Mindful of the breath, long or short, breathe in and breathe out. Training yourself to be sensitive to the breath and calming any bodily fabrication, ever mindful, calming the body with each in-breath and each out-breath, remaining mindful of the breath in the body, mindful of the breath in-breath and the out-breath, the arising and passing away of phenomena with regard to the body. In this way, one remains mindful internally and externally with regard to the body, with no self-reference, calmly noticing there is a body, remaining independent of, and not clinging to anything in the world. Concentration is the foundation that supports refined mindfulness. Now, I feel like that is really pretty cut and dry, but I am gonna just explain it again in my own words. Being mindful of the breath and the body means placing attention on the breath and the body, noticing the breath and the body, observing the breath and the body, attending the breath and the body. It does not mean thinking about the breath, directing the breath, manipulating the breath, managing the breath, explaining or labeling the breath. It's a passive observing. Initially, during meditation, one may be placing their attention on their breath or using their breath as a focus point as concentration deepens either within a single sit or as practice deepens, placing attention on the breath becomes less attending to the breath and more awareness of the breath. This is being mindful of the breath in the body. Being mindful of the breath in the body is not just about the breath. It's also about the body. So I'm going to go back to the Buddha's words. When walking, be mindful of walking. When standing, be mindful of standing. When sitting, be mindful of sitting. When lying down, be mindful of lying down. In any function, be mindful that there is a body. When going about looking this way and that, be fully mindful. When bending or reaching, be fully mindful. When carrying a bowl or a cloak, be fully mindful when eating, drinking or savoring food, be fully mindful when eliminating waste, be fully mindful. When walking, standing, sitting, sleeping, waking, talking or silent, be fully mindful. In this way, one remains mindful of the breath in the body, the in-breath and the out-breath, in this way, one remains mindful of the breath in the body, the arising and the passing away of the body, independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. Just as a person with good eyesight, emptying a bag of mixed grains would know, this is wheat, this is rice, these are beans, these are sesame seeds. In this way, one remains mindful from the soles of the feet to the top of the head, encased in skin, there is hair, nails, teeth, Tendons, bones, marrow, organs, feces, phlegm, blood, urine, sweat, fat, tears, saliva, mucus, and fluid in the joints. In this way, one is mindful of the four elements the earth element, the fire element, the water element, and the wind element. The four elements that comprise a human are impermanent. Be mindful of the impermanence of the body to develop dispassion. If left unattended, a corpse decays dis- dis- quickly, it becomes bloated and infested. It is picked by birds and dogs and other creatures. Eventually nothing is left but dust. Be mindful that this very body too will die and pass away. This is the nature of the world and unavoidable fate. In this way, one remains mindful of the breath in the body, the in-breath and the out-breath. In this way, one remains mindful of the arising and passing away of the body, Independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of the breath and the body. So there's a lot of things happening all the time in the body that we just ignore because we're too busy having all of our amazing thoughts and feelings. And so we have to train ourselves to come back to that, to what's occurring here. Mindfulness of the breath and the body is the heading. It's the broad stroke. However, in the details, the Buddha points out that mindfulness of the breath and the body includes mindfulness of the body and all the phenomena that occurs in the body. Being mindful of the arising and passing away of the body means cultivate the ability to stay with discrete internal phenomena as they arise and pass away. Observe, attend, notice while refining concentration so that we practice not getting carried away with what's going on in the body. When we get carried away, We continue to tell ourselves the story of how this body is me. Once we're caught up in that story or distracted, we forget or ignore the impermanence of the body. By placing or by practicing observing phenomena phenomena that occur in the body, arise and pass away on their own without input from me. That's what we do in jhana. We're we're teaching ourselves that the body and all its noise is impermanent and impersonal. Not me, not mine, not who I am. We resist the urge in jhana to think about our body and all its noises in meditation. We do this by returning mindfulness to the breath. This calms the body. Okay, back to the Buddha's words, mindfulness of feelings. And how does one remain mindful of feelings in and of themselves? When feeling pain be mindful. There is pain. When feeling pleasure. Be mindful. There is pleasure. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain or ambivalence be mindful that there is neither pleasure nor pain. When feeling the pain of the body be mindful that there is pain of the body. When feeling pain not of the body or a disturbance in the, mind, be mindful that there is pain, not of the body. When feeling pleasure in the body, be mindful that there's pleasure in the body. When feeling pleasure not in the body or pleasure in the mind, be mindful that there is pleasure not in the body. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain in the body, be mindful there is pl- neither pleasure nor pain in the body. When feeling neither pleasure nor pain not in the body, be mindful there is pleasure, neither pleasure nor pain not in the body. That's all it's confusing, I realize, but what it's saying is pleasure pain or an ambivalent feeling either in the mind or the body covers it all. And as when we see that the direction is allowed to arise and pass away on its own, while we're meaning mindful of the breath in this way, one remains mindful of feelings and the arising and passing away of feelings independent of, and not clinging to anything in the world in this way, One remains mindful internally and externally with regard to feelings. This is how one remains mindful of feelings in and of themselves. So my words here. One is mindful of feelings in the body, much as they are mindful of the breath. Being mindful of the feelings in the body means placing attention on feelings, noticing feelings, observing feelings, attending feelings in the body. It's a passive observing. It does not mean thinking about feelings, directing or manipulating feelings, identifying or labeling feelings, rationalizing feelings, searching for a root cause of feelings or managing feelings. This takes practice. No one just runs a marathon. They practice first. It may be difficult to even recognize that feelings are present. This is due to our conditioned mind, which may have conditioned us to avoid or ignore feelings. This is why it is the second foundation of mindfulness. If one is mindful of the breath and the body, the mind and body will calm. Concentration will deepen naturally, and it will be easier to recognize that feelings are occurring. It is also important to point out that being mindful of feelings does not mean dwelling on feelings or becoming overly focused on feelings. The direction is to observe the feelings and then return awareness to the breath. Observing feelings may lead to getting carried away by them. This is because of conditioned mind, the tendency of our minds to feel, think, and react the way we always have. It is okay to return awareness to the breath while also having the feeling, even if it's uncomfortable. If we are focused on the breath, feelings will arise and pass away on their own, without input or analysis. It is our conditioned mind's tendency to analyze or try to manipulate feelings. This is eye making. This feeling's happening to me. It's therefore my responsibility to fix or change or solve, which causes stress, dukkha. Practice returning awareness to the breath and reaction to feelings will diminish. The second foundation of mindfulness allows us to observe feelings, and return our attention to our breath. This will calm the mind and further decondition our mind. We are practicing allowing our feelings to occur without input or evaluation. The more often we practice having feelings without input or evaluation, the more likely we are to be present with the feelings as they occur without reaction or needing them to be different. I also want to point out that the Buddha referred to only three feelings pleasant unpleasant and neither pleasant or unpleasant. No feelings were labeled as good or bad or a problem. The goal is not to get rid of feelings or to not feel. Simply notice that feelings are occurring. If we are noticing that feelings are pleasant unpleasant or neither pleasant or unpleasant we can also notice any clinging or aversion that may be occurring in reference to the feeling. We resist the urge to think about feelings in meditation. We do this by returning mindfulness to the breath. This calms feelings. Mindfulness of thoughts, the Buddha's words. And how does one remain mindful of thoughts in and of themselves? When thoughts are passionate, be mindful that thoughts are passionate. When thoughts are dispassionate be mindful that thoughts are dispassionate. When there are thoughts of aversion be mindful that there are thoughts of aversion. When thoughts are free of aversion be mindful that thoughts are free of aversion. When thoughts are deluded be mindful that thoughts are deluded. When thoughts are free of delusion be mindful that thoughts are free of delusion. How does one know delusion? Thoughts and actions that contradict the eightfold past are deluded. When the mind is constricted, be mindful that the mind is constricted. When thoughts are scattered, be mindful that thoughts are scattered. When the mind is spacious, be mindful that the mind is spacious. When thoughts are common, be mindful that thoughts are common. When thoughts are unsurpassed, be mindful that thoughts are unsurpassed. When the mind is not concentrated, be mindful that the mind is not concentrated. When the mind is concentrated, be mindful that the mind is concentrated. When the mind is not released, be mindful that the mind is not released. When the mind is released, be mindful that the mind is released. In this way, one remains mindful internally and externally with regard to thoughts. The third foundation of my my words here, the third foundation of mindfulness is being mindful of thoughts occurring. Thoughts are often occurring in the mind. We are conditioned to believe that thoughts should not be occurring or that certain thoughts should not occur. This is a judgment of thoughts and should be let go and will be let go over time as you deepen your practice. Thoughts occur. Once we have a strong awareness of breath in the body of feelings rising and passing away, we can become mindful of thoughts occurring. Being mindful of thoughts means placing attention on thoughts, noticing thoughts, observing thoughts, attending thoughts. It does not mean trying to have or not have certain thoughts judging thoughts, reacting to thoughts, identifying the root cause of thoughts. Thoughts and often entire thought constructs or stories, perceptions, fabrications will arise and pass away on their own. This can also be difficult to wrap your head around.
4: See what I did there?
1: (laughs) It's important here to notice thoughts and then return awareness to breathing so as to minimize conditioning or making thoughts important to ourselves. This third foundation of mindfulness, being mindful of thoughts as thoughts arise, must be practiced during meditation. Meditation is a time to do jhana, focus on the the breath while noticing thoughts and feelings arise and pass away. It is not time to be actively thinking. Thinking is important to do at other times during our day, However, thinking begets more thinking. Mind that's always thinking will continue to think. This is why it's important to distinguish between thinking and having thoughts. Thoughts arise without our input. Thinking is an action that we choose to do. However, if lots of thoughts are arising while we're trying to think, we're not concentrated. Therefore, practicing the third foundation of mindfulness during meditation can help diminish thoughts arising so we can think when we need to. We resist the urge to think about our thoughts in meditation. We do this by returning mindfulness to the breath. This calms thoughts. The Buddha's words, present quality of mind. And how does one remain mindful of the present quality of mind in and of itself? One remains focused on the mind internally or externally on the mind itself. One remains focused on the origination of the mind and the arising and passing away of the mind with regard to the mind itself. One knows there is a mind. They remain independent of and not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one remains mindful of thoughts in and of themselves. So that's the end of this section of the um, Satipatthana Sutta but I've got a couple more comments that I wanted to read. Um, The fourth foundation of mindfulness is being mindful of mind. Once we have a strong awareness of the breath and the body of feelings and thoughts arising and passing away, our bodies and minds calm. We can become aware of our overall state of mind. Just as with the first three foundations of mindfulness, being mindful of mind means noticing, observing, or attending our mind. It is important to notice the overall quality of mind. This may also mean that our awareness is on the tendency of our minds to have certain thoughts or feelings or thought-feeling constructs. All the while we are returning our mindfulness to our breath. We resist the urge to think about our state of mind, actively think about it or analyze as me or mine during meditation We do this by returning mindfulness to the breath. This calms our quality of mind. So in a nutshell, the four foundation of mindfulness is a practice that will develop a calm and peaceful mind by deconditioning our tendency to analyze, judge, react, label, or rationalize what we naturally do as human beings. Have a body, have feelings, have thoughts, and have minds. I thought of a few more things I wanted to say, but it all went out of my brain. So you guys are Mm -hmm. lucky. You don't have to listen to me yammer on anymore. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anybody have any questions before I go around the room?
5: Not a question. Oh, there you go. John said something. The fact that you were meditating, and you think of something. Drop out
6: and
1: write it down. What do I I think about that? Yeah,
5: how do you think about
1: that? I mean, I feel like there's always the middle way. So again, when we're doing Jhana, when we're practicing the four foundations of mindfulness, we are cultivating the intention to develop calm, a calm mind. And the way to do that, according to the Dhamma, is to cons- can use our breath in our body, practice watching that arise and pass away, and then noticing what feelings and thoughts and how our overall state of mind is, while also using that breath as sort of the anchor point to come back to. You always have to give your mind something to think about instead of telling your mind what to not think about the saying, don't think about that is like to the mind is just like saying, think about it. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: It does. It, that it, minds don't work in the negative. They only work in the positive. So you have to give your mind something to think about. So you think about the breath and the body, cultivate that practice. And then over time, develop the ability to watch thoughts and feelings and overall mind arise and pass away. You might be able to do that all in one shot right away. Awesome. Some days you might be able to do it. Some days you might not. If you're super, super distracted, if your mind is really, really busy, that is restlessness, right? Is that that the hindrance it is? Restlessness,
7: would that be um, restlessness
1: anxiety and process. anxiety right so it's a hindrance yeah. Yeah, your... so what is the what's the the direction of when you have a hindrance it's to recognize that it's a hindrance and come back to the sensation of breathing i like how you always you did this on a uh, retreat intention right mm-hmm. so what's your intention if your retention intention is to release to let go of feelings and thoughts and you feel as though you have to write that down okay i i you are a grown up you get to decide what your practice is you get to decide whether or not you're on the path i don't get to tell you that so if writing something down is what is going to work for you to release it and get back to the meditation great for me personally if I put a piece of paper, it'll just all be about how what I'm going to write down, what amazing thing I'm going to write down next. So that would that practice would not work for me. But I'm certainly not going to tell somebody else not to use that practice.
0: Yeah, there's times where I, I get <clears throat> so involved in certain thoughts in meditation that um, I just there's no room for the breath anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah um and, and 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 sometimes i just give these guys them thoughts their head and, and let them go and, yeah. and just let them burn itself out yeah yeah um and that, that works at, at times uh not having coffee before meditation <laughs> is a good
1: idea <laughs> i yeah i have a lot of anxiety and so i will uh on certain you know, if I'm, if, if I'm precipitating on something, um, it's usually like a,
6: it's
1: like a tick, mental tick that just keeps, mm-hmm. keeps playing and playing and playing. And i just for myself have been, a, I usually know when it's okay, you need to really apply right effort and just come. Bring yourself to your breath. Watch the in breath. Watch the out breath. Watch the in breath. Watch the out breath. And try like, but sometimes that just doesn't work, and it just becomes a deeper, you know, yeah. vein of like uh, going over that same thought over and over again. So then I just usually I'll do something else, like go for a walk or something. But that's again, that's me. Okay, let's go around. Oh, let's go to Doctor Kevin first.
8: Yeah, it's this um, in the list of things about being mindful of. um, In previous iterations of this, it was when falling asleep and when waking up. And now John just has it as when sleeping. But I I think during sleep, it's sort of an unconscious state. And I think it's hard to be mindful when you're sleeping. So I think he means falling asleep and waking up. And then if you wake in the night, and then you fall asleep again in the night, then you could bring your mindfulness back to that. But I I hope that's just not too picky or I hope I'm thinking about it correctly as well.
1: Yeah, I actually tripped up on that one part that I read. It is, um, I feel like it's when sleeping or waking. Sleeping, waking, talking or silent. So to me, that, yeah, that means like with, with regard to whatever level of mindfulness you are, have the capacity to apply, do it. But if if you don't have the capacity to apply mindfulness during sleep. At the
0: time of falling asleep or at the time of waking, uh, there is also to be a
1: mindfulness.
0: Right.
1: I am waking up. Yeah. I'm falling asleep. I'm waking up. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. yeah. I think you're you're fine for interpreting it that way. Thank you. Did you have anything else, Dr. Kevin
8: Just general thoughts. Uh, yeah, you're <laughs> going <run> around <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, did Tom have a question too? He had his hand up a little bit, but maybe he can go next.
9: Yeah. But, um, um. <laughs>
8: this this is my favorite tooth as well, and it's really you know I guess it's. My favorite because it's so fundamental it is really like the very center and the heart and the core of the dhamma and how to practice the dhamma and especially this section so that i disagree with you and that's the way i think about it but thank you thanks for the great teaching thank you, today.
1: Thank you. tom dude that, I, I, I know i don't know if you saw my email but it was amazing i looked at tom's one of tom's video lesson things the other day it's remarkable so cool
9: thank you thank you very much (laughs) um so um i great question by david um and i'm i hope he doesn't ask such a question when i'm teaching (laughs) because it was quite difficult but it's a really good one Um, so i'm just listening and i i was wondering if i i i haven't been writing stuff down meditation i know you're not supposed to but i wonder if occasionally if it's a practical if it's a thought that comes into your head about something practical that you need to do i say i have occasionally done that right you know like don't forget your keys later on that morning or you know don't forget to call joe um you know because then if you if you write it down it means it it prevents the possibility of it becoming a hindrance because then it could be you could become a bit obsessive like oh no i can't i always forget my keys um and it might in itself become an unnecessary hindrance um so i wonder if 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 you if you were to sort of uh, set a limit that only in exceptional circumstances and if it was something that would genuinely you know affect your the logistics of your life Maybe maybe it's it's okay to write something down. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, interesting discussion around that. And it is something I've wondered about in the past, uh, and I've never thought about it. So thanks for that. Um, wait a second. Sorry, I, I might have. Can you hear me still?
1: Yeah, you, you actually sound
5: better. Yeah,
9: I'm oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. I know I've got, it's, it's my nephew's birthday today and he keeps calling me because he's expecting a <laughs> present. So that's why I wanted to, That's why that was, that was the main reason I put my hand up is because if I could just go, I wanted to go first, just so that, um, so you can um take off. I, 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 I might have to leave a tiny bit early, um, to, to, yeah. to wish him a happy birthday. But anyway, thank you so much for teaching and for the discussion. I'm going to stay around as long as I can okay. um, to listen to everybody else's comments. Great.
1: Um, I would just I would say with the uh, with the writing down piece, like, again, you know, that's 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 you. You got to decide that. Like, I can't tell you that, you know, you got to be the one to say, uh, yeah, this is going to this is going to work for me or it's, or it's not. Yeah. I mean, I would also I mean, me personally, you know, I have. Recognize that during practice, thoughts—extremely important thoughts—come up, and I challenge myself to say, "Okay, well, if it's a really important thought, then it'll come up again, and I don't need to think about it right now. I can just go back to meditation." It's
5: what is arising, passing away.
9: Yeah.
1: Hmm. So that's, but you know, again, I'm not trying to tell you what to do.
9: But but if you need to remember if you need to remember to take the keys out of the house, you might not have that thought, right? It might not, it might arise again, but only once you've left the house, (laughs) and then you're like, damn. (laughs)
4: Uh,
1: Mary, teacher Mary, good morning.
10: Nice to see you. Good morning, nice to see you, (laughs) Rumi. Yeah. I, I love this sutta because um, it's one of those that I remember how hard it hit me the first time because I never really knew that my thoughts and feelings weren't special and that they weren't me. I mean, <laughs> hopefully that sounds familiar to a couple other people, but I really thought that that's part of what made, you know, Mary different because i i think differently and i have special thoughts you know (laughs) and it was such a relief actually it didn't hit me badly it was just like oh permission not to hold on to that and then and then as i struggled in the beginning my practice was with what does letting go mean And it's not an action, it's just a thing that happens as you come to understanding, right? So the more I understood this sutta, the letting go was a lot easier. And I think that relates a little bit to the, I don't wanna overanalyze the writing things down. I think that would be something you might share with someone beginning that is struggling and you wanna help them stay with it, right? But as they understand and begin to know, that would also fall away, yeah. That reliance because they would be focused on the breath, and the rising and the passing. And I think to your point, Jen, um, you know, even as I get older and I pay attention to, am I forgetting something? Do I need to write everything down now? You know, hopefully it's a little early for that, but <laughs> I think about those things. And um, but I also know that if it's really, really important, usually to what you said. I'm probably not going to forget it. Yeah. Occasionally that happens. I did forget something I should have done yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, I'll do it today. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think when it comes to meditation, I think, you know, John would say, keep it pure, keep it simple. And because it would be easy to allow your own eye making. Oh, I have a special yeah. thought. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, yeah. Or I am down on myself because I forget. So I better write it down because I'm going to really get yeah, yeah. that if I walk out the door with the thing. Because right. I'm so forgetful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then it becomes yeah. about thinking about myself again. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so that's just a caution. Again, not trying to tell anybody what to do, but that would be a caution. I mean, I think it's like everything in this practice. You have to understand, I think you and David were saying this, what is your intention behind it? And you have to hold yourself accountable to that. Yeah. What is really behind your thought, your action, any behavior, um, and, and hold yourself accountable to the eightfold path and get back on the path, you know, mm-hmm. forgive yourself for falling off, yeah. with, you know, whatever minor yeah. or major transgression and get back on the path. So the fact that it's so forgiving, um, and that's my word, but, you know, I can be so forgiving of myself, Um, you know, is a part of why this sutta um, resonates with me and is so helpful uh, to my practice and setting up that foundation and the rigor and discipline of of having a practice that I can go out into the world and function in a way that's more wholesome than what I was when I thought my thoughts were so special. (laughs) Yeah,
1: totally, totally. Thank you.
10: Thank you, Jen. Great teaching.
1: Um, Yeah, I feel like all of us as human beings, we are always looking to authority figures. You know, we spent the first 20 years of our lives like with other people telling us what to do. And then we kind of get in this habit of like, you know, looking to other people to confirm that like what we're doing is right, or like that we're, we're okay, we're not gonna get in trouble and um that's massive conditioning that you know even in a sangha setting like you you can do that you can you can go to a teacher and be like well can i well what should i well what am i in you know and that i don't want to i don't want to perpetuate that mm-hmm. uh just you're the grown-up here's the Dhamma. and do with it what you think is best. Brian, where are you?
3: I'm in my meditation hut.
6: Beautiful.
3: Mm. Okay. It's, a, it's a fabrication of Zoom. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mindfulness and meditation are related but they're not the same thing, right? They are different things. And we we take the mindfulness we develop in meditation off our cushion out into the world. And and that mindfulness that's being discussed in the Satipatthana is almost 24-7. I, I tend to agree with Dr. Kevin, you can't really practice this if you're unconscious. Um, maybe you get to, to a, a level of concentration if that becomes possible, I don't know, um, regardless. So when seated in meditation, I think the the focus should be on the meditation and developing concentration and practicing these four foundations that you then take off the cushion, uh, and hopefully are mindful enough that you don't forget your keys, but we're human. And then that happens. Right. Um, so for me, I, you know, I I think I had a conversation with David once I I have some just immaculate thoughts during meditation (laughs) that are stunning. And I feel like I should write them down. And I am i just, I don't. And they don't come back. And that's just, that's part of this practice, right? It's, you know, the arising and passing away of even the stunning and the beautiful. Um, but boy, maybe I should. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty special. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so for me, it's, you know, and again, this is an individual practice. You'd have to do what's, what's, what works for you, and I just think for me, developing the concentration is more important than popping out and writing something down, even if I forget my keys. So, thank you. Yeah,
1: thank you for that. Really well said, Brian. And I, you, you brought out something that I, I'm now recalling. I wanted to just try to bring out that that there is in the Satipatthana Sutta. There he is discussing. Meditation and mindfulness, and those two things are not the same. On the cushion, off the cushion. So when we're on the cushion, we practice, and then we take that. Well, exactly what Brian said. We're just I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna muddy it up. Um, good morning, Deborah.
7: You don't have to say anything. <laughs> good morning. No, no. I was waiting for the operator here to control everything. <laughs>
10: uh,
7: good morning, Sanga. Hi, Jen. Thank you for your teaching. I only have a few things to say today. Um, First of all, I noticed last time that we were together, I was taken aback by the feelings that I had when each individual uh, came on and had something to say or not. And I was surprised by that because I now know you versus see you. And that was kind of important for me. And I I don't know if everybody else has experienced that, but I have. And I thought, well, that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
7: The other thing I wanted to say, well, maybe two more. Um I think, I think John is absolutely brilliant with the way he puts his sutras together and I know in the past I had said that the last large sutras were not as I was not as involved in and I think it was because of where I'm at in my practice or not at my practice and before he put that last group together then we had the retreat and now this it's like oh my goodness this is great (laughs) so good yay so there's that and then the last thing I wanted to say is Jen thank you um I didn't realize there was a difference between thoughts and thinking and so I'm going to think about it <laughs> or should I say ponder it or yeah. I don't know what word to use anymore because I can't say analyze because I don't know now you can I analyze mean, you can you can analyze but
1: but we're trying to diminish analysis on the cushion
7: okay so, so off the cushion yeah. I can think about and analyze sure. what's being said yeah. so I yeah. have points of reference in the future Although right. I'm not supposed to about the future, I'm supposed to be in the moment. <laughs> so it's a little confusing <laughs> on what the dos and don'ts really are. But thank you. Yeah, you're getting it. You're definitely
1: getting it. So um, the, the practice, the, the the we are never going to forget how to plan for the future or how to uh, learn from something that occurred in the past or to, to look at data that we have and, and decide how to move forward. We're not going to forget how to do that. Um, but we're really well-practiced in that. What we're not practiced in is staying present with what's occurring now and not getting caught up in the future and the past. Mm -hmm. So thinking about the future and the past is okay. It's just, it's just overthinking about the future and the past is is what is the problem and this practice helps you identify what is the kind of the overanalysis analysis that is unnecessary and what is really you know practical I need to be you know paying my bills I need to plan this you know I'm planning a trip to go away next week and you know I've got to think about where I want to go you know, I've got to book some hotels, that kind of thing. So,
2: I also, I also say, just for me, the intention when you do get right. in that space of forward or backward thinking, okay. it's just what, what am I doing this for? Right? Yeah. Why that's am I thinking about the, the future? What am
1: I thinking about the past? And usually, like really quickly, you can say, oh, so I can think more about me, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, well, I'm trying to plan this thing for real.
2: Or proof for me, it's often thinking about a fabrication and using you know, confirmation bias stuff. Or, yeah. Oh yeah. Let me let me see if I can prove this
7: out a little bit more. <laughs> hey Jen. <laughs> hey Jen, can you turn the other camera? I think it's great we have two cameras and can see everybody. But for the pseudo, oh, we, we see have- a profile no. of you and a frontal of you.
1: Oh yeah, we don't need that.
7: <laughs> but I think oh, it's man. great Why we finally that? have two two cameras so we can see everybody oh That's yay awesome yay <laughs> sorry about that i had
1: it on no, me sorry. it was bugging me that it was on there was two of me and then but i i didn't have it together to...
11: technology Jeff. <laughs> let it go good morning <laughs> good morning good morning again <laughs> morning everybody um th- thanks for that teaching i i wrote some notes here which i don't often do but um I, I, I like the the difference between thinking and having thoughts, and it, I, I go to trying to apply that to the other four foundations, right? Ha, uh, feeling and having feelings, yeah. And uh, not to be t- well, to be self-referential, <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got things going on with my body as usual, and I've been in yeah. a lot of pain, right? And there's nothing takes you out of concentration more than physical pain. I, I find mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a real tough thing to separate between, uh, painting yeah. <laughs> feeling the pain, experiencing the pain and separating yourself and saying that body has pain. Yeah. It really pulls your heart in there. Um, but it's possible it it's it takes a lot of concentration but which isn't always the case so just some thoughts about, for example, what Tom was saying about thinking while in jhana meditation defeats the purpose i think it thinking thinking is an eye activity um and if you're taking the time to be concerned about the thoughts, details of the thoughts that pop into your head, it seems to be defeating the purpose of jhana meditation.
2: Right. Agreed. Uh,
11: And um, yeah, it it defeats, your intention should be to separate from that as, and not I, I think not to give weight and importance to those thoughts that come and go. As soon as you attach importance to them, you've would seem to me to have lost the concentration you're seeking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, e- even though I carry um <laughs> to the point where I need to write a lot of things down. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and then one last thought, you know, uh Brian, it 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 reminded me of, you know, your your brilliant thoughts you had while in meditation. Uh it reminded me of a story my dad told. He was a brilliant scientist and mathematician and uh a polymath. He's the kind of guy that would write critiques to Scientific American and stuff. Um and he decided once at some point in time that he kept waking up from dreams, having solved, you know, these classical mathematical problems and things in the world. And he was determined, but the problem was he'd wake up, he knew he'd solved it, and then couldn't remember what the solution was. <laughs> so he decided he was going to put a notebook <clears throat> and a pen by the bedside. And he was going to wake up and write down the solutions at the middle of the night, and that way, when he got up in the morning, he would have solved mankind's problems, and which he did. But the problem was, when he got up and reviewed them, they were all just gibberish, <laughs> incomprehensible stuff, right? And it it, 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 to me, that that's an indication of just how much importance we actually give to our thoughts.
6: Mm-hmm.
11: Yeah. And, and you know, we r- really don't have that much to add to the universe. Which, <laughs> <laughs> it, we, like to, we like to flatter ourselves with that how important our thoughts are, which is to say how important I am.
1: <laughs> oh, Dave didn't like that one. David's thoughts are very important.
11: <laughs> <laughs> well, his his might his thoughts might be a lot more important than my thoughts. Let's, <laughs> let's, say, let's say that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the intention, the intention, what you keep in mind, in in, in to my understanding, in Jhana meditation is to develop that concentration, not not to capture details that are going to be practically useful later on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my thoughts. Thanks.
1: Thanks so Jeff. I wanted to say one thing about the pain thing and and like I just feel like you know pain is such an intense we're te- we're intensely mm-hmm. uh, you know averse to pain. So I just think that when you're experiencing it it's really important to just be super 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 gentle with yourself and not, you know, even if you're like seeing yourself try to avoid it or get away from it, you know, okay, that's okay. No problem. It's just what's happening and use your breath. That's, I mean, that's all I've got for that pain piece, but just really, really very gentle
7: using his breath might be kind of like breathing in labor.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever.
0: It's you know, intense,
7: intense pain.
1: <laughs> yeah.
7: <clears throat> Remember
0: that um, pain by itself is an avoidance mechanism. Mm. You have pain so that you avoid doing the thing that caused you. Pain. Right, 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 you know, right. In, 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 the, in, the, yeah. in the mechanical sense. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, when yeah. When there is something going on yeah. in, in your body. It's like different, but the nature of pain is to make you avoid
1: something. Yeah. So, yeah. you
0: know, it's not surprising that it's you're averse so to any pain to at all. Yeah. Not pay attention to pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, um, Rom, oh no, Slav. I almost skipped Slav. <clears throat> Are you with us, Slav?
7: Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Jane, uh, thank you so much it was incredible teaching it's no edit mm-hmm. no subscribe and I like how you highlight uh, thoughts arise and pass away by their own you don't have to do anything because unfortunately even in meditation and realistic life sometimes I try to control
6: mm. yeah
7: And I think, oh, it's, should them let go? And I try to push sometimes, but thank you for highlight, I appreciate it. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
7: And sorry, I cannot open uh, my camera because I am on the work, apology.
1: No worries, no worries. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Slav. Um, Rom. Well.
0: I got up this morning, and while I was making my tea, a nagging thought came into my head that I was forgetting to write something down. (laughs) In meditation, (laughs) right on cue, (laughs) cue. the thought came up, oh yes, we're out of eggs. (laughs) I should write that down. So yeah, it, it's, it's typical that stuff comes up in meditation. Yeah. It's just it's just typical. Um, yeah, thank you for for <laughs> unpacking the four foundations one more time. Um, yeah, it is basic. It is to go back to every time. You mm-hmm. uh, cannot teach or read this enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's always some little side channel that you opened up. There's always some you know, drifting off of your intention and drifting off mm-hmm. of your practice mm-hmm. that happen. Mm-hmm. Four foundation. Yeah, put
1: it right back there. yeah, yeah. For little things that get t- added on. Yeah. We'll little roots. dingleberries.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <due> to like <laughs> clears oh, it up. <laughs> little cling-ons. Because <laughs> <goes> they're clingy. <laughs> Sorry. No, man, food is it's back. not <laughs> Listen, I can talk I about like, dingleberries. If John can talk about uh, any belly button right. I can talk about. Yeah. Zach?
2: Thank you for the teaching, Jen. Hey. And uh yeah, a lot of yeah. really great uh, great great comments and engagement from the song this morning um, I I don't think my gut is that the teachers in the room would say these are distinct the, the four foundations of mindfulness for this are, are maybe not I'm curious why because a feeling is a thought or so an emotion and a thought combined right
1: an emotion
2: is a feeling and a thought an emotion is a feeling a yes yes
1: yes ah. So motion is like more, is a more complicated mm-hmm. further along and dependent second, second. or fifth, fourth of the five clinging aggregates. It's
2: just a more. It's a second order phenomenon. Second order. Well, I don't know what that means. What do you mean by that? Um, <laughs> like, it's,
1: it's a combination of, yeah. of primary forces. It's clinging, it's the thought and a, a thought and a feeling clung together.
6: We have to participate, right? again in an emotion or like a thought or a feeling could arise on their own. An emotion is something you've pretty much chosen to kind of maybe engage yeah. in this kind of power. It's, it's already a way. fabrication. Yeah. Yeah. There's like already point, I like there's eye making there's eye making in the in the emotion. It's already this thought came up. I'm gonna put together.
1: And yeah. And doing. it's not always like you don't like always think that you're gonna do that. But like if you're experiencing anger, frustration, you know, sadness, all that stuff is, it has an orientation to it. It's, it's me. You know, when you're, when you're feeling frustrated, it's because you can't accomplish something.
2: I can't accomplish this thing. So is anger a feeling or emotion? or
1: both? Emotion. I mean, in the con- in this context, if you what's go the, talk to Brene Brown, it's a different thing. What's, it's, it's, what's so so if you talk to, you know. What's the
2: underlying, or what are some underlying. I
1: mean, for, feelings. I don't know what it is for you, but for me, it's an unpleasant feeling.
2: Well, at the point of contact.
1: And, and fabrication.
2: You have a
5: positive feeling. Yeah. A negative feeling or an ambivalent feeling. Right. right. So that's when the emotions taking place, contact. Point of contact, their senses are coming in contact with the world. It's going to be one of those three things. So there's anger, there's happiness, there's frustration. Well, sorry.
2: So there's a. So oh, it a, is at that point.
5: Yeah.
6: So you can't the point, be anywhere
2: else. At the point of contact, you have feeling. And then yeah. you essentially, the consciousness rooted in ignorance uh, will right? take root and you'll have an emotion, right? So there'll be. A feeling of of clean a, an unpleasant an unpleasant feeling, and based off of whatever other stimuli and, and conditioning mm-hmm. that will manifest as anger. That will manifest right, and then so the
5: craving yes will take place, and then you know will clean right. Either
1: aversion or greed yeah will take place. So, I feel like emotion is already. Like you're already in Anata, mm-hmm. you're like in it. Like now it's you. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you're already using the feeling to define yourself,
5: versus seeing something which just for this, just happens something like something that, that. Or, or, or cognizing just to cognize that, that, that's when you figured it when you figured it out right
4: very good
6: stuff (laughs) Laura oh thanks
4: Jen thanks for your teaching and um, yeah it's helpful to break that process down and what you said Zach has been really helpful too about intention and you say it a lot too Jen as well you know cultivating that intention which for me is really important because um you know I know it's a fabrication but when I'm really upset about something and I know it's I'm making i making I mean but it feels really damn real mm. I mean like when yeah you're yeah that upset about something yeah it's hard so it's like this balance for me at least between like not minimizing how I'm feeling or you know, especially if I'm upset about something. But what you were saying, Jen, about you know the four foundations of mindfulness kind of made me realize like I guess it's okay to kind of like just breathe into the sensation or breathe into the emotional pain because sometimes just you know, with my breath and then like waiting for things mm. to pass away, creates more anxiety but kind of thinking about it how you were describing it it's it is that but like more so just okay breathing into the pain or emotional pain or whatever it is and because otherwise I have a tendency to not like trust myself and then like you close in on mm-hmm, yourself I understand staying Open kind of a meditation and trusting your ability, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like when you're when you have something really weighing down upon you. So I really like this teaching because <laughs> it brings me back to the fundamentals. Um, mm. But yeah, do you have any insight on that? Like, yeah, breathing into a that sensation when you're just so overwhelmed with whether it's physical or mm-hmm. emotional mm-hmm. or both. Or, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I breathing again, I'm going to say, I'm going to go back to like, this is your practice.
4: Yeah.
1: Like you, you get to decide. I am not the authority figure of your practice. Right. I am providing you with the framework of the practice. Um, The the Buddha is not telling us to when we when we practice the first foundation of mindfulness, staying with the arising and passing passing away of the breath. That is not so. You're not directing the breath, you're, or you're not manipulating breath, and you're not so breathing into anything. Yeah. Sounds to me like it's outside of the Dhamma. However, your life is not all dhamma all the time
4: right right
1: and if you have developed a cognitive strategy that helps you calm down so that right. you can practice and
4: get back into that yeah. this is
1: your practice yeah. i'm you know i am not but again like be careful that you don't attach that to the dhamma because then you're going to burden yourself with more things that you have to do in order right. to practice the dhamma yeah yeah does that make sense
4: yeah, but well, it's like you said too about my tea thing, like how. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly that is what I just it's thought like of. Yeah, like tea, and like it happens to be combined with like my meditation routine. But you're like careful, and I think about that. Like yeah, that's a lovely separate ritual that right I have
1: nourishing. Yes,
4: yes, all the things. Wrong with it, right, it's harmless. But right,
1: but just don't yeah. attach it to, don't cling it to, because then mm-hmm. you're you're making you're burdening your yeah, practice, you're like
4: burdening
1: yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, being gentle with yourself, like, I, I can't say it enough. I don't think, um, we really understand what that means because I think we live in a situation where that is not absolutely not even remotely attended to, yeah, in our culture. Yeah. And the more I practice, the more I realize, <sighs> not even close, girl. <laughs>
7: yeah.
6: Still being real hard on yourself.
1: <laughs> not even close. <laughs> like you need to like really bring in some serious, like whatever you want to call it, that might not be like the words of the Dhamma that you think. Just super super gentle. Yeah. So, if gentle yeah. is breathe into your feelings, right? <laughs> ju- yeah, ju- you have to be extremely gentle with yourself. David,
5: yeah. I have defined being gentle with yourself as keeping in mind the four noble truths. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
6: that's,
1: I that's what gentleness yeah, means. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's my Mm -hmm. breath. That's to me what it is. It's bringing, bringing myself back to my breath, watching my in-breath, watching my out-breath, watching my in-breath. That Mm -hmm. is like, to me, that's
5: gentleness to me means refining mindfulness so I can keep that in mind.
6: Mm -hmm.
5: And that's gentle. Yeah. I can't do anything better than that. Yeah. And then the other devices fall away because they can be distractions. They can be Wonderful, <clears throat> but you're not taking tea and saying, I'm gonna take a break in this, you know, right speech thing. You know, it's right. just a nice thing to include. Right. You know, don't be confused about those little things, but gentleness to me means incorporate as much as you can, as you understand it and how you're refining it as your concentration develops. Mm-hmm. That's gentleness. That's, that's everything.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and trust that you have the Dhamma in you and you know what is right to do. And that you have the tools and you know you know mm-hmm. what to do. Trusting that you know what to
4: do. Yeah. That trust for is for yourself. So important. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um I'm moving it over, Bridget. <laughs>
6: Thank you for the teaching. Huh? Um this, yeah, it's like Right at the root, you know, we've really gotten into the nitty gritty of like what we're doing in our minds. Mm -hmm. And it's so helpful, I think, to return to. And I know for me, the one thing that's been super useful and gentle and like really kind and loving Mm -hmm. that I've been doing for myself as a tool adjacent to the Dhamma is giving myself permission not to solve my problems or the world's <laughs> problems 24 yeah. 7 yeah in this moment who am i yeah. if i'm not saving my children my mom my yeah. husband the world society <laughs> these specific people like who am i if i'm not right and all the wrongs mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. and that was my fabrication and as I've unpacked that fabrication and taken that burden off, you've heard me say so many times how relieved I am Yeah, and how light I feel. And as I get kind of down to the root and really like try to get that you weed know, out of my mind, I tell myself, A, is this something that I actually need to solve? Right. Is this something that requires analysis? Is this conflict or this tension purposeful in my life or is this part of a fabrication? Mm-hmm. And that happens kind of you know almost instantaneously, where I can pretty much identify if I'm unsure, I say leave it alone. You're probably fabricating, just leave that alone, mm-hmm. put that, put that aside. If I can tell, like no, this is actually a thing that you need to decide what to do for your children, you know, and Deal with the ex-husband or you know whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's something you're gonna have to troubleshoot. I give myself permission to rather than ruminate about mm. it, and worry about it. I just say, you know what? I'm not concentrated right now. My mind, I notice the state of my mind. Yes. I my say, I am running errands, late yep. to work, yep. worried about getting a project. And now mm-hmm. is not the time to think about this. Yeah. I'm gonna think about this poorly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know what? Sunday afternoons are usually quiet for me, or maybe Saturday, or maybe right after you know, Sangha. Mm-hmm. I give myself permission to table this until that time. Mm-hmm. When I to go for all the moments between I'm gonna cry because yeah. I'm so happy. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> the moments that occur yeah, between that are moments that, like two years ago, I wouldn't have been
1: was just before. filled up with yeah. worry. Yeah.
6: My kids would have been doing adorable, beautiful things that I would have been missing them because mm-hmm. I would have been ridden with anxiety and tension mm-hmm. and I would have created a thousand imaginary solutions, all of which I would have discarded. Yeah, it's like an enormous waste of time, like precious, beautiful time. Mm-hmm. And now I just live them. Yeah. And in between there's some sad bones, other things
1: happen. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah.
6: But I'm at least there, like John's always saying. You have a life, like be there for it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so like I get to be there for the good moments instead of worrying about it. And then Saturday or Sunday afternoon comes, mm-hmm. I sit down, I think about the problem, and I typically come up with a much better solution than I would have. Yeah. And I didn't mm-hmm. have to do all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes I find myself saying to myself, well, I'm like driving, doing things, I'm packing the lunches, and I'm like, you know, literally, like almost verbatim in my mind. Like, what are you doing? You're not doing enough right now. You're mm-hmm. not multitasking mm-hmm. on this like planet-saving level. Yes. Yeah, exactly. like, Who did you think you were? What did you think you were? Like you are a, you're a mom right now. You're a mom. <laughs> and <laughs> that is okay. But that is more than enough. And I didn't used to be a mom. Lunches. Yeah. I used to be, I often say, you know, you hear me say this, like, I used to be a crazy person yeah. making lunches because <laughs> I was missing the mom part. Yeah, 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 You know, because I was too busy thinking that I was saving the world because my food was organic. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. while I'm making this organic lunches, does everybody else know they should be making organic <laughs> lunches? You know, like, yes. and I can get, like, I don't know if you guys, but like, I can get that yeah. twisted in my mom, Yeah. You know? And it's like, now the thought comes up. I see the thought, and not all the time, but a lot of times, I can just say that thought is useful. You're gonna think on it later. That's a thought you can solve in the moment. Yes, go and get milk. You know, like and I yeah. just can categorize the thoughts pretty, pretty seamlessly, and then and, and let them go. Um, I actually so.
0: know somebody who, who kept that up <coughs> for her whole raising of her kids and yeah. the kids. Moved as far away.
6: As yeah, yeah, yeah. And like with my yes. older son, that was, you know, I had some real things to worry about at times. You know, mm-hmm. when he was little, and uh, he he has even said to me, like, yeah, or totally break your heart, but like, mom, well, there are times where like I couldn't feel you love or whatever. Yeah. And we talked through it, and said, so, you know, because my love was under you know, all this worry, yeah, all this stuff, yeah. I'm just so grateful that can turn into he's grown up and moved away and our relationship is irreparable yeah yeah before i learned that like all that worry that i thought was what was going to make me a good mom yeah it wasn't i
5: think that can
6: be so useful yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah no i think Uh, it teaches us how to be gentle with ourselves it teaches us how to use our minds in ways that I have never come across anywhere else.
2: I feel like that was a whole other Dhamma teaching. Yeah. You know, was, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it's the best that's way. Great. Was, to hear that. was really helpful and beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful Dhamma for the
5: householder.
4: Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
5: Okay.
4: You're good. I you would say, like, it's has nothing to do with Bridget's like commitment to, like, say, environmental stewardship or like. Right. Or, right. But it's like the when the think when our thinking becomes like, or when that becomes like buried over all these hindrances mm-hmm. and buddies our ability to, like, yeah, execute things in like a peaceful, tangible way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's...
1: well, it's just thinking begets more thinking, right? right. Unless you practice letting go of thoughts and nice. then and the urge to think more about this other thing that came up, and now I want to think about that, and I got to think about this, and I got to think about this, you know. If you don't practice not following that urge to think about the thing, like we do in meditation, then when are you practicing it? You're never practicing yeah. it, yeah. so you're just never doing it. Yeah. So you you can't expect your mind to just automatically do something that you've never practiced.
2: Yeah. And the and the thoughts kind of like you were saying, where the, the thoughts don't scale down, right? <laughs> when you're doing that, they go like yeah. this.
4: <laughs> yeah, they and get and bigger and you bigger have, and bigger. You yeah.
2: Have no, you Yes. Yeah. And when exactly. you when you bring it down to the, the the size of which they are, which is here in the moment in your breath, mm-hmm. they become actionable. Yes. Right.
4: Yeah. Right, right. I like that you have no agency
1: over it. Yeah. That. Exactly. And I think what David said as well is it's really important is that you know even when we've recognized that there's more thinking going on than we maybe we would like, or that our mindfulness is not stellar, you know, bring that in those four foundations of my i'm sorry the four noble truths and let that frame what's happening internally so that you can again be super gentle with whatever's happening you know stress stress occurs impermanence the three marks of existence are coming into contact with each other and not liking it and that's causing stress then i just need to come back to my breath
5: and she said that was outside her practice.
6: Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say
5: that's absolutely
6: yeah, an example it qualifies.
5: Of, cool. what else is practice right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, than what you
2: described.
6: Yeah. Well, cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. I said, it's
2: David
1: That experience, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. To absolutely. Be, to be present. To be present. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's
5: not floating. It's not like this gentle dude <laughs> on the mountain. It's this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. Present for your life. Present for
0: lunch.
1: All right. I'm going to read the Karaniya sutta This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. They are peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. They are always mindful that all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none. The great or the mighty, medium, short or small. The seen and the unseen Those living near and far away, those born and to be born, they are always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will with ease, never wishing harm upon another, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart, the wise disciple cherishes all living beings. They radiate kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, freed from drowsiness, they maintain refined mindfulness. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, they abandon ignorance of four noble truths. Having completed the path, they are not born again into this world. Thank you.
2: Thanks, everybody. Thank Yay. you.
3: Bye. Thank Thanks.
10: Bye, everybody.